Hello, this is Matt Marone, the worship pastor here at Glen Allen Bible Church, and you're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, October 16th, 2022. Hey, everybody. I'm John Vanderveld. I'm the executive pastor here at Glen Allen Bible Church. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin, executive director of Naomi's House. And I'm Kelly Brady. I serve as senior pastor here at the church. Thanks for tuning in to the Next Level Podcast. Good morning. Morning, all. Hi, everybody. How we doing? Doing well. I got to go away on men's retreat. Thank you, John, for preaching. And sure, tell us about men's retreat. It was great. Glad you asked. Yeah, (laughs) forty, forty something men. Yeah, a little over forty men up at the Abbey Resort in Lake Geneva. It was just a really, really good time. I'm sure that weather was here amazing as well. But Saturday, you know, we had five teaching sessions, uh, sessions filled with singing and prayer time and learning. Uh, And then we had this afternoon off to get outside. It was stunningly gorgeous. The Abbey's right on Lake Geneva. And I spent a couple hours walking around Lake Geneva, and it was just really fun. The time with men was fun, great conversation, insightful learning. So I look forward, frankly, it'd be really fun to build on that momentum a year from now or two years from now whenever we do our next men's retreat so it's a really great. good time that's great yeah. were you on the week during the weekend like were you having or no. did you get to rest nope. i just just participating that's which great. is really nice yeah. that's good yeah really good cool how about you guys how was your weekend I saw you, Matt. Yeah. Football is uh-huh. over. <laughs> Rams flag football. So Simone and I have uh, a couple kids on the same team. Mm-hmm. They had a mm-hmm. heartbreaking did. loss heartbreaking in the championship loss. game. Two years in a row for Asher uh, made the championship and lost. There's some lessons to be learned there. Mm. Maybe football's not your sport. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Long lesson. <laughs> No, it was fun. It was a also, I came straight from a graduation um, of Naomi's house to, and like it was directly across the street, the Vineyard Church, and then went straight to the football game. So it was kind of back to back, really exciting. Well, obviously the graduation for Naomi's house is so yeah, cool. meaningful. It is our yeah. biggest, most like, it's like the pinnacle of what we do. It's really cool. I was our uh, 12th graduation can you just share a couple a couple lines on like what does that mean to graduate from Naomi's house yeah it means a woman successfully completed our residential program Um, and this woman in particular um, I could just tell you her life transformed in the last two years that she was with us Mm -hmm. and she's a mom of two her children are on the west coast and are being kind of raised and and taken care of by her mom and she was exploited as a teenager a young woman um and it's it's a spiral once that happens you know that's kind of vulnerabilities tend to compound and I don't remember how she heard about us now that I'm saying this, but she moved across the country and, and entered into our program. And wow. she was she was one of our, she was in a place of suffering when she moved in, highly disassociative. Um, she had some clinical diagnosis that made her healing very challenging and she stuck it out. So it was a really big deal mm. that she graduated and that, she, and she's staying in the area. She's moving cool. into our independent living program. And um, I don't know, I always, for obvious reasons, relate to the women who are moms and have children in this. I have a lot of kids, so I have a span of ways to relate to women. And um, I just think to myself, how would I do it? How would I find the strength to go yeah. on with that separation and um, she did it and you know when she's fighting for her own life she's fighting for the life of her kids too and that repair yeah. so it's a big deal the room was packed oh, oh I met a GEBC person cool Tammy oh cool yeah she was there she's a driver yeah tour guide is what we call them anyway so you gather was, you celebrate the person really yeah well. oh That's yeah we, really we cool. recount her we celebrate a lot in, in John's point yesterday yeah. in his message yeah. Yeah, yeah we do we highlight all her milestones and yeah, it's awesome. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That was that was for me that um and you know, we'll get into sermon stuff here in a little bit, but yeah, I I love that you highlighted that God like God celebrates. Like he does. It's important mm-hmm. for his people to celebrate, to get together and have a party and remember what he's done and worship and praise him and 
Yeah. So that celebrating doesn't come easy for everybody. Mm-hmm. Some people like it. So Jennifer and I, we, we, we do. We love to celebrate. It's something that's mm-hmm. kind of front burner. We're always looking for that. Man, mm-hmm. how can we like cap off this season of with mm-hmm. something cool or whatever yeah. or fun? And we actually got to do that with, um, with the team that I coach. Um, you know, at the end of the Rams flag stuff, all the kids get park district medals, but the coaches <laughs> chipped in and we got the kids like an extra, like small Super Bowl trophy, you know, but we put their name on it yeah. and then we put, we gave them a nickname based on what we've observed over the last oh, two awesome. months. That's and we brought all cool. the parents in and had an award ceremony. There's 16 kids, four coaches. So each coach had four kids and we, we said a little thing about them and then gave them the trophy and it was just, it was cool, but it was, then when you preach yesterday, it kind of. Yeah, it was like, yeah, yeah, and that's that's a cool way uh, for, you know, a Christian to plug into a public, you know, sport and maybe go a little bit above and beyond. And and all all the coaches are kind of on the same page with that. And it was really it was really special. That's cool. Yeah. So you'll be commissioner again next year. I. I don't know if I should say anything. I do not desire to do that. (laughs) But I love I love coaching the team. Like, That's awesome. Man, I love coaching those kids. It's so much fun. It's great. John, was your weekend full of sermon prep? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of sermon prep. Yeah, a little bit. I just fall sports and sat in a Friday night football game in the 42 degrees and pouring rain. Oh, uh, yeah. I was going to go to that and opted not there to. Were, there were some, <laughs> some text messages that were going to be sent, but my fingers were too cold. To even text oh. like, where are the helpings? They always sit oh, with us. Oh, <laughs> I know. Fair weather fan yes. right here. No, it was very, uh, yeah. Wheaton Academy football is six and one, I think. It's awesome. So they're having a great season. It's fun to watch. And yeah. Sunday afternoon, I gave a tour of Poplar Creek Church. Yeah. Oh, how'd that go? It's, they're going good. It's our, it was our second tour. And so if you're a listener and you'd love to see the new campus, you can go to gebible.org slash events. It's an events page. Yeah. gebible.org slash events. And you can sign up for a tour. And it's, it's either John or I walking people around the campus and explaining kind of the history and the potentiality that we see in this, uh, in the property and in the in the community, yeah. R- right across the street is a giant neighborhood that uh, would be great to to reach and share the gospel with. All right, well let's um, let's get into some questions. First one: We keep working to make modern day applications from Deuteronomy, not written to us but for us. That got me thinking: Does every text? Does every text have a modern day application? Are we supposed to make modern applications with the entire Old Testament? I, you know, as a preacher, maybe it's a vocational hazard, John. I, I would say, yeah, absolutely. But do not have, don't have wool and linen woven together. There's application. There's there. application there. Somebody uh, asks, uh, was asking me about the um, the genealogies. Certainly, there's no application, you know, in the genealogies that are, you know. We've preached the genealogies in the Bible Church, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's, it's interesting when you, even in some of the genealogies, like Nehemiah has them, and there's these unique characters that are in there that if you dig a little bit, you're like, oh, wow, that person, you know, that they're included. I mean, anyway. Yeah, I would say that, uh, what's the phrase that you use? All, the entire scripture is inspired, <laughs> but not all texts is equally inspiring. You're right. Mm. So there are chunks of the, I think, particularly the Old Testament, um, that are, they don't come across as very inspiring. And they take, it takes more work. Right, yeah. right. But I do think that, you know, when you look at genre and context and... Um, the the uh, original audience that if you do a little bit of a, a little bit of work, a little bit of exegesis, mm-hmm. um, you can you can make a pretty strong case that taking taking a verse and trying to modernize it that's not it's gonna feel risky yeah, yeah that's you're, risky you're gonna, but taking a a section a peri- in some, yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know what that means um <laughs> taking a section that is uh 
and we understand the historic context, the intent to the original audience, and we start looking at, okay, what was God doing and what can we learn about God? And, and then we can extract some overarching truths from, from that. So I do. I think that, what is it, Second Timothy? I, I, I put it in here. Second Timothy 3, 16, 17, all scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Mm-hmm. So if we believe that to be true, uh, yeah. It, go ahead. No, you go. <laughs> you did this recently, didn't you, Simone? Which, which part? <laughs> Making application. Well, yeah. Exegesis. But diff, diff, Deuteronomy is a little bit different than an epistle. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I, what I was going to say, one of my takeaways from going through Deuteronomy is that the human condition hasn't changed. Amen. And, right? And yes. 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 Yeah, yes, exactly. And so it does take a little bit of work, and I'm thankful for a Sunday sermon week after week that you you take the work out for us, which is so kind of you. Um, I know it's your job. You try. But, um, yeah. I think it's just it's just a reminder week after week after week that we're really no different than the human heart of the Israelites, and there is application in that being faithful to mm-hmm. what God has called us to obey, and and He gives us boundaries and um, you know laws and you know recommendations, whatever you want to call it, all the, all the things to draw us into him. Mm-hmm. Like the point is still the same. It looks mm-hmm. a lot different. And thankfully there aren't, we're not under the law, but um, yeah, yeah I, that's, that hasn't changed. And so there is application, I think all throughout the Bible. That's a good word. Yeah. I love that you brought that up um, about Israel and that God's the same and that we're not too far from Israel. Cause that's, um, we have a question coming up. Uh, that's kind of going to touch on that. Uh, let me, let me jump in real quick before yeah. you get to the next question. There is a, I'll, I'll never forget in graduate school when it clicked for me that, that while all scripture is inspired, even though not all scripture is equal inspiring with digging, with work, with studying, um, we can find some just nuggets of beauty and brilliance and God's care. I'll give you an example. In grad school, uh, I was working on Acts chapter 2, which is the story of Pentecost. The Spirit comes down, tongues of fire, and there is a a table of nations in Acts chapter 2 where everybody present is listed. Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, blah, 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 these ancient people groups. And I remember in grad school thinking, why did they take up all that papyrus space mm-hmm. to, to give a list of the nations that were present? Wouldn't it be sufficient just to say, well, hey, people from all over uh, Central Asia there, the Mediterranean, were, were present. And then through, through some research and study, I learned that the author of Acts, Luke, appears to be parroting Genesis chapter 10. Mm-hmm. There's a table of nations in Genesis chapter 10. Why would he do that? Well, in Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel, where God confuses language, Mm. happens. Well, God is apparently reversing the curse of Babel in Acts chapter 2. And through the Spirit's presence, he's bringing these nations back together. You talk about a beautiful uh, nugget of truth, Mm. Genesis 10 all these nations in Genesis 11 are scattered through the Tower of Babel. And then in Acts chapter 2, this similar table of nations is listed. It's almost as if Luke knew his Old Testament. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah, yeah. Right. And he's wanting us to understand God is doing a great work by his spirit. So you talk about genealogies. There's nothing in the, there's no wasted space or time in the Bible. It does take some work. Yeah. You gave me that paper, uh, like my first year I was here, I was still in seminary, and yeah, I remember reading that. It's a fascinating parallel. Yeah. 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 God's good. Um, Okay. Um, Excuse me. Let's go to the next one. It seems like our modern day gatherings for worship are short orderly, and don't have a lot of, quote, party <laughs> elements in them. Could a takeaway from today's passage be that we should have longer gatherings as a church? I used to go to church camp as a kid. Can we do that? <laughs> Boom, let's do that. Yeah, I never I, went to church camp. Did I miss out? <laughs> you did. There you did. is some fun at church camp, man. <laughs> yeah. Some of it constructive, some of it not constructive. <laughs> okay. So I, the denomination I grew up in actually... They have a 
one right next to where I grew up called the Christian Reformed Conference Grounds. And they would hold, so Christian Reformed churches would, part of their donations went to keeping this conference grounds right on the shores of Lake Michigan. Huge place, big place. And you could, uh, people could camp there all summer, but they would also have speakers that would come in and you would, you know, you'd camp out for a week and have church camp. And it was a time of like, I mean, I remember like like teachers that were at my school that you only ever saw as a teacher, like camping. And you're like, Weird. whoa. Or like, yeah, like guys that you only ever saw wearing like a suit and tie and then you see them in shorts, you know? And you're, like, and you're thinking, put the suit back yeah, on. Yeah, like, <laughs> why? You know? Nice Mr. Knees. Vandermolen. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know he, he, only, he didn't have suits everywhere. Well, anyway, it was just a good time of like, yeah, celebrating and laughing and being together as a church body that wasn't in an hour on a Sunday morning, kind of in a formal experience. And I know it, here at GBC, we have lots of the gathering we'll have on the 30th, the worship night and other things that we get together and celebrate. But I would love to do a family camp, church camp. Yeah, I would <laughs> say, you know, don't limit the gathering of God's people to just Sunday morning yeah, by any stretch. It's, and it's, if, it's the, if the question asker is getting at that, yeah, by a, man, men's retreat this weekend was a huge celebration for me personally. Um, the laughter, I mean, there was just lots of laughter and it's just enjoyable to be together. I'll be honest with you. So my home of origin was not an easy experience and high school wasn't easy for me. Wheaton College, coming to Wheaton, well, you know, it, Wheaton College is not the church, but the people... It's a gathering of Christians. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's the... There are part. people of God there and students. The, it was a four-year healing celebration for me. That's cool. It was really a mending time, and I, I did a lot of stupid things, and we can laugh about that, but the truth is the friendships established there were a part of God's care for me mm. at that time of life and brought a lot of healing uh, for me during that time. Yeah, different cultures do church differently, right? There are some cultures that have a long service, and yeah. church is good point. a good part good of the day. Um, you know, I guess the question I have, yeah, yeah, man, I... I I do desire more party elements. <laughs> and when I use the word party, I, I hopefully I'm using it the same way. Uh, I, I, I'm thinking about celebration. I'm thinking about posture. I'm thinking about, you know. Volume even. Volume just, expressiveness. Yeah. Like, how, like if, if God really is the raised. Lord of your heart. Yeah, I mean, and he's raised from the Yes, death. and if he's your greatest treasure and you're meeting with 300 other people who are like-minded in that and you're praising together, I, there should be some form of of emotional uh mm-hmm. like output like you if you really are swayed that way right like there's it yeah. I, I would go so far to say that there's not an example of something you're passionate about right in front of you happening where you don't express yourself physically right like if you're passionate about the bears and they finally win a game and you're at the bears game you you can't help but to let that out, yeah. right? Like, it's going to come out. And so that's one of the things that I would love to see that more of. It, <laughs> the Bears winning? I <laughs> would love to see more of that um, celebration as, yeah. a, as, a, as a people, especially for our culture. Other cultures have no, it's not even a conversation. Mm-hmm. They don't have to have it. It mm-hmm. just happens. It's natural. Our, our culture is a little more reserved and, you know, um, I, that's just... Yeah kind of the churches of our kind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but man, as to, as to service times, like I, <laughs> that seems like it's relative. Like, yeah. okay, lo, so if we move to an hour and 30, just because we're an hour and 30 doesn't right. mean we'll celebrate more. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, you know, yeah. so what, what is the right time? It's the heart of the, I mean, God's intent for Israel was their heart. Like yes. they needed that weekly gathering required three times a year to come together from being scattered all over the promised land, they needed that. It was for them. They needed a week of celebrating and joy and rejoicing together and... Um, remembering. Yeah, remembering. And, um, and I think we need it weekly. Sunday morning is part of that, but then, like Kelly was saying, you know, all the other opportunities we have. It's interesting that the... Um, have you ever been to like a health... Uh, say this right. A healthy 
liturgical church, mm-hmm. kind of a, a, mm-hmm. a celebratory or more charismatic. I use that word kind of yeah. carefully. Like we all went to church. Chicago Tabernacle together yeah. that one time. Mm-hmm. There are elements that are designed in the liturgy to have moments of remembering and celebrating. And I can, I can remember the first time I went to a, it was an Anglican church, but it was, it had, I can't remember all, all the designations, but it had broken off of the oh, traditional Anglican yeah, church. Right. And um, it was a, you know, a healthy Theologically healthy. Yeah, Anglican church. And it was more charismatic in its worship and that sort of thing. And I remember going through the liturgy and being like, wow, this is kind of... And then all of a sudden there's this moment where you go, praise be to God. And the church erupted for like 10 minutes of... This celebrate. I mean, people are like high five each other. Yeah, man. They're going crazy in in like people in robes up front, very formal, and yet this moment of um, of celebration, and that happened every week mm-hmm. in, in the the liturgy. And I'm not. Did I, it come I, off as pretty genuine? It did, and I can. I have been at other places where the same words are said in the mm. same order at the same time, and it's different vibe. You just walk right past it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Thanks be to God, blah, 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 and it just, and then you're on to the next element. So I'm not saying the liturgy; it's the people, yeah. it's the heart of it's the people in the room, yeah. it's what's going on inside of that congregation. Yeah. Um, anyway. I grew up in a charismatic uh, church, and, and, and by that I mean uh, they had dancers in the aisles. <laughs> And they had when, when you say hold on sorry when you say they had dancers <laughs> yeah. so like like staff or or volunteer who they, were like hey you are they, you need to dance no, they had or people just got up and danced they had both they had okay. informal unplanned folks get out in the aisle and then yes. they had formal planned folks dancing they had banners on poles so you know a picture in your mind's eye a flag yeah but it was a flag that you know symbolized praise to God that sort of thing and so. Um, sometimes it came off as genuine. Sometimes it was all too planned. Sometimes it felt more about uh, the people than about the Lord. And so, you know, there are simply, yeah, we need to be, it needs to be genuine. And I, I find Glenn Bible Church's worship imperfect and genuine. Mm. Mm-hmm. We still have growth to do, to Matt's point. We still got, yeah. we need to grow. We need to grow in expression. Um, and it's going to be fun to do that together. Yes. You know? Like. But I also find it, there are sincere and genuine elements in what I experience on Sunday morning. But you know, we're not perfect, but we can grow. But Would you guys agree with this over the last, I don't know, six months in particular? Are you seeing and sensing and experiencing more and more uh, heightened spirit moments in our services? I am. I'm super encouraged. Yeah. Like yesterday, there was a few moments, especially as we were singing... Christ, our hope in uh, life and death. I was just, I was blown away. And, and granted, if we're, if you're on the platform, you have a different. You're hearing it all right mm-hmm. at your you face. You see it. <laughs> yeah. right? You see like people expressing themselves, and um, you know, just being f- what seems like full of the spirit, and they just they can't help but to just cry out, and mm-hmm. you know. Um, there were some, some powerful moments yesterday. There was some hooting and hollering. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I like Which, that type of expression. I do. And it, you it's, know, it was great. Is it possible that the person who's hooting and hollering was it, looking for I, attention? <laughs> I doubt it. But, right. But, <laughs> I mean, not, I'm just saying, I guess my point would, was getting ready to be like, you can be hooting and hollering and, and it could, there could not be uh, as much going on there as we would hope or whatever. Is that the but, song that goes? And you can be it, absolutely completely quiet and there's a lot of good stuff going on in your heart Mm -hmm. right i think though over time if you're completely quiet for years on end then it's like okay what's going on there or you know um is that the sing hallelujah yeah 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 Yeah, that was powerful yeah um there was some moves of the spirit it, it felt like yesterday that were really sweet i will say that what our children and what guests to your congregation find most convincing in, in worship, a worship service, is not the preaching, but the singing. Hmm. So uh, preaching has its place. It is to spur us on to love and good deeds. It's to instruct. It's to inspire and encourage. But all the data indicates that our teenagers and our children and guests are evaluating the singing 
That's what they're going to find. Is, is Christ alive in this congregation? And I'll, I came closer to Christ, not primarily because of the preaching in my teenage years, but because of the congregation I was attending and their singing. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's, our singing needs to be convincing. Well, it's, it's hard to fake singing. Yes. Y- you know, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for a grown adult early on a Sunday morning to be singing out in joy and loudly and like, mm-hmm. a, there's, usually there's got to be some stuff going on inside yeah, right. for yeah. that to yeah. be able to happen. Yeah. Well, and we know that the Lord and the singing of a congregation, we know that that that's, uh, holds a special place in heaven. It's going on before the throne. We know that, that God himself sings over his people. Um, so we know that singing is important to the Lord. We're told to do it. We do it out of obedience, but we don't simply do it to be obedient. We do it because, and someone said this earlier, it's actually good for us. It inspires, it motivates, it, we find it convincing to be a part of a singing community. Yeah. All right, let's, um, let's go to the next one. The barriers Israel faced in worshiping God seem a lot worse than me just sleeping in on a Sunday and not coming into worship. Is it really fair to compare their unfaithfulness and sin to ours? Well, my first thought was John was John was being gentle with us on Sunday. Um, <laughs> Probably. You know, you as a pulpiteer, my guess is you, you have to balance. You know, uh, the velvet-covered hammer. You, you don't want to. You're not looking to beat people up, but I think it goes to um, Simone. You brought this up earlier. Like the human condition yeah. is the same. Our if we're evaluating hearts, well, Israel's heart. Um, there led them to actions that may appear more extreme, but it's the heart is what's important. So if your heart is in the same place where you've decided to deprioritize worship and you know pursue some other idol or do something like that, I think that you know. Um, I mean, if we look at Christ's teaching, that you know when he talks about adultery, <laughs> like you've said, you know, this is a adul- well. Even looking at someone. Mm-hmm. In your lustfully in your heart is the same sin. So I think it's it's um, it's not valuable to compare the actions of the, the fruit. The fruit, yeah. The the well, they they actually made idols versus well, I chose to do pursue this instead of worshiping. The the heart is what we're the root. What we're looking is the at, issue. Yeah. and it's tricky. Deuteronomy's more is more tricky than other places in scripture because you're dealing with God's people and the na- the uh, creating the nation sustaining the nation where he's going to reside and then bring the messiah and so it's a unique group unique situation and yet I think God wants us to look at the the heart and so I don't know what to you know I, I don't know <laughs> Sleeping in on a Sunday is probably not as bad as sacrificing your child to Molech. <laughs> Agreed. Which is what the Israelites did. Sure. So at some points. So yeah, in that sense, we're not comparing. But, but the, the, the fact that your heart is inclined to mm-hmm. want to sleep in instead of going to spend time with God is at some way, shape, or form the same as the, is the condition of the hearts of the, of the Israelites. Is that fair? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The root is is the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a detachment or a disinterest or a self-service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of um, questions that we can ask ourselves to find and to like kind of unearth in within our own heart how we would respond to God um, calling us out like he did the nation of Israel. So we can use very, and I feel like, Pretty consistently, there's a there's a theme of idols that is recognized um, on a Sunday morning, mm-hmm. um, and I I keep wondering what else. I mean, I've I've done not that I'm free of these yeah. idols, so to be careful not to say that I'll get struck <laughs> by lightning. <laughs> I know that I'm not free of these idols, but I also you know I've asked myself that question regularly. You know, is it what what am I putting before? What else am I putting before God? Yeah, and right. is it time? Is it money? Is it you know, all the kind of the yeah. list yeah, that yeah. we hear often. Um, I wonder if a takeaway in a 
deeper level would be, what can we be doing? What are some spiritual exercises we can be doing on a regular basis to touch on this in our lives and, and monitor, like, not monitor it, but assess it because we can become comfortable and then you have blind spots. And I think that's what you guys do a really great job kind of calling out on Sunday mornings when you're preaching is to look for those blind spots. Um, but for the, for the person who's here every Sunday and kind of faithfully or trying to faithfully and consistently look for those blind spots, I just wonder if there's a takeaway that says, you know, these are some spiritual disciplines you can be having in your life regularly to help pinpoint those and grow in those areas. Mm-hmm. It's not just a checklist. Okay, I'm here. I'm not playing golf. I'm here. Okay, mm. good. Next mm-hmm. question. You know, it's deeper <laughs> than that. And finding that in our own lives, I think, is what is really key to growing. Does that make any sense at all? It does. Yeah. And, and, and it's not as simple as getting here. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we do have some people that are attending regularly um, as an act of righteousness, meaning mm-hmm. they're trying to earn their way to heaven. Mm-hmm. That's not serving them well either. Right. Hey, God, I'm here. You owe me. I've shown up now. You need to show up for me and do X and Y and Z. So that's, that's not productive either. Mm-mm. So the, we should be... I come to worship because the invitation of God in Christ is so compelling. I'm answering an invitation. I'm drawn to celebrate with mm-hmm. the people. And I'm not perfect. I don't mean to hold myself up as an example. But there should be an answer to the invitation is come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden I'll give you rest I need rest yeah. and I need rest frankly from the idols that I've created in my heart uh, sin is exhausting yes yeah. and I find that a week is the max for me <laughs> you know what point. I mean like right. I, yeah. I'm coming in every weary week, right, I'm right. coming in weary just about yeah. every week and that doesn't mean I'm not excited or I'm, it hasn't been a good week but there is an element for me that's like that's why retreat the retreat was really nice mm-hmm. you know yeah it, it's a longer-term reflection and re, re-energize. Yeah. You bring up a, a really good point on idolatry, modern idolatry. So I did kind of like a deep dive into this when we were going in the early part of Deuteronomy. We talked about it, idolatry quite a bit. <clears throat> and I'll be honest, sometimes our conversation about I, modern idolatry in comparison to Israel's idolatry mm-hmm. doesn't always serve us well mm-hmm. because God gave very specific commands mm-hmm. about idolatry. He said, cut down the poles, burn everything, kill the priests. <laughs> he went <laughs> full sale, mm-hmm. like, yeah. don't even dabble. So we say something like, kids' sports mm-hmm. is an idol, right? but we're still saying, go ahead and dabble with it. Mm-hmm. Just put it in its correct place. Mm-hmm. It's different. It's different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those two things are different. So I, I think it was, I don't remember what section of Deuteronomy be. But I remember saying, I don't think anybody here is building an idol out of wood, putting it in their home to some other God and worshiping it. But we do have these other things. So there is a, there is some truth about it, but yet we need to realize that it's, mm-hmm. it is different. And so I, I think what you're getting at is actually what's really helpful, is to think of the strategies. You know, there's offense and defense in our faith. What are the offensive things how can we be on, on um, the front end of it so we don't allow these things to creep into our lives and take the place of, of worshiping yeah, God? Um, I, that's exactly what I was trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah, you I, for I, reinterpreting it. No, I, no, I no, just, no, just hearing it. Yeah. Su- supporting what you're saying. Right. I, 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 go ahead. I, what I, when I hear you talk about, that's another example that we hear a lot about on Sundays is kids sports. And you're right, kids sports and, and prioritizing our time for worship on Sundays, those are, those are questions that we're asking regularly. And you're saying exactly what I was trying to say. What can I be doing consistently that I feel, I, like again, I feel comfortable with our involvement with kids sports. I think yeah. we know how to say yes and we know how to say no and we have wisdom and discernment to not, not always do it perfectly, but our, I've, I'd like to say I think our priorities are okay. Right. right. Again, I'm like hesitating to say this. <laughs> this is going to backfire. But in the, my point would be in if we took the Old Testament as a prescription, mm-hmm. you would destroy the idol yes. of kids' sports. Right. So because that's not what God you is calling us to. You wouldn't be arguing with your kids right. whether they can play in the tournament at 10 a.m. Yes. on Sunday. But because we have freedom. Right under Christ, yeah. in Christ, then we have 
the calling as parents, and it doesn't have to just be parenting, anything that is your idol, to discern. And so I think what I'm digging for, I don't have the answer to it, but what I'm <laughs> digging for is what do we do as Christians and as believers on a day-to-day basis to be processing that? Like, mm-hmm. Lord, show me where I'm building idols that yeah. I'm not recognizing. <laughs> One of the reasons we don't prescribe the destruction of suburban sports is because after that was destroyed, our hearts would find another idol. <laughs> oh, it's so well, true. There, so there would true. be no end. Yes. 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 Yeah. So the it's, issue isn't an external matter. Right. Correct. The issue is my heart. Right. So here's the question. You had, you had pressed a little bit, Simone. What are diagnostic questions we ask we can ask on idolatry. Mm-hmm. And so we need to ask, here's the question that I ask myself that helps me identify my idols. Who or what is making me feel most valuable, mm. significant, or worthy? Yeah, that's good. And, and I have unique, not unique, I have my own wounds that I'm tempted to go uh, find idols to make me feel valuable, significant, and worthy of love. And Jesus is inviting me to find value, significance, and worth in him. Mm-hmm. And I am consistently, whether it's in suburban sports, a suburban bank, you know, bank accounts, the, whatever it is, I'm... Yeah. Yeah. You're going to the list. Yeah. Here's well, the list. <laughs> but that's it. That's exactly it, is to equip the church, equip the believer with what you just said. Here is, here is the prayer and the, the question you ask consistently mm-hmm. to God that says, reveal it to me. And it could be the list that we hear, or it could be something totally different that we are blind to. And mm-hmm. um, I'm encouraged from mm-hmm. Sunday's message and from this consistency in Deuteronomy to be constantly turning over what's in my heart and what's in my, in my life and asking God, I'm sure, I'm convinced I have blind spots I'm not addressing and dealing with. I, I learned of one yesterday. John heard the story. Of, I talked poorly about my mom and I had my phone on after our conversation and I, she may or may not have heard what I said oh, about her. I know. really hard was, for everyone. For everyone. Really I know. Hard. I don't know if she heard or not and I'm too chicken to ask, but it revealed something. Mm-hmm. It revealed that, number one, I was gossiping about my own mom and that's sinful. And I also had some wounds that were exposed from my conversation with her. And instead of being gentle with myself and allowing the Lord to enter into that, I got mad and I took matters into my own hands and it was revealing. And I, I was sharing this with our small group last night. I was like, I repented because I got <laughs> caught, you know, and I, and I don't know if she heard or not, but anyway, point is, is like, it showed something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm a jerk. I think, you know, Kelly, I think you're exactly right. I mean, the other thing to note is that, and I hope we say this from time to time clearly, is those, the things that we are saying can become idols Mm. aren't inherently idols in the beginning, and they're not inherently evil in their creation, Mm -hmm. where these things that the Israelites were interacting with were. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is that if you read, a, if, you, if we go ahead a little bit into, I think it's Judges somewhere in Judges 13 or something like that, mm. Israel's actually caught making their own idols. So they dabble mm-hmm. with the Canaanite gods and then, and they learn idolatry and then they go, oh, we can make our own gods <laughs> and we can make our own idols. They don't, and they aren't to Yahweh. They're, they're, they're on their own. They start to, to say, we can do, we can, there's other things that we can, and I think that's what we're talking, some, to some degree what we're talking about is avoiding things that are inherently evil, but then don't, <laughs> don't look at things that could potentially be good, like your worship or whatever, and turn it into an idol. Yeah. Yeah. Don't allow things to become, things that are, are inherently good can become idols in, For sure. in your life. So. Mm-hmm. We do that really well with comfort. Anything oh, that makes us comfortable, we like to be we in. We bow to it. Right. And yeah. then it slowly becomes, oh my word, I haven't done X, Y, or Z, or I've, I'm detached from the Lord in this way because I've I found something temporarily more comfortable than so whatever it great, is. Yeah. Uh, idle diagnostic is, how do I cope? How do I get mm. by? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds messy. 
Hey, GEBC Church family, we would love to invite you to our next worship night. It's happening on October 30th. That's a Sunday night at 6.30. All are invited. We'd love to see you there. And hey, invite some of your friends as well. Um, man, if you've been having and experiencing sweet times of worship, uh, this is a night dedicated for it. We're going to sing a lot. We're going to walk through a psalm. Um, you're going to walk through Psalm 116. We're going to talk about acknowledging God, uh, resolving to live in, in, for Him and worship Him, remember Him, pray. We're going to preach, and we're going to respond to all that as well. So it's going to be a sweet night. We hope to see you there, 6.30, October 30th, Sunday evening worship night at GEBC. See you there. All right, let's, um, let's go to the next one. What are you guys doing to disciple your kids? I hear about this a lot at GBC, but can you be specific? <laughs> I don't doubt you're doing it. I'm not sure I'm doing it. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I, I just jotted down here as a note. Uh, with my younger kids, uh, it was about giving direction. So when my kids were younger, it was, I, I want to read them the narrative, the biblical narrative, so they know mm-hmm. the stories. I want to pray with them. And then I, I want to rehearse the gospel as often as possible with them. I want them to understand um, our need for forgiveness and God's eagerness uh, to extend it, offer it in Christ Jesus. So anything you can do to rehearse the gospel, it can be as easy as um, what Simone did. I mean, Simone shared about how she mistreated her mother and... And keep bringing it up. It'll be our example for the rest of the podcast. You cool with that? <laughs> well, and so when, when we hear when we hear confession like that, we want to say something to the effect of, "Where sin increased, grace increased all the more." Simone, mm-hmm. Christ's blood sufficient to cover that. You're safe to return. You're safe to repent. And we want to do that with our kids. I, I love. I want to encourage parents to to use the language of sin in the home, so that we can use the language of grace in the mm-hmm. home. God, Christ did not shed his blood for mistakes. A mistake is when we spill milk at the table. A sin is when we throw our milk glass at our sibling. We've sinned against them. Mm-hmm. So we have to use the language of sin so that we can really celebrate grace. So it's different with older kids. My kids are, are all adults. And what I'm, I'm trying to segue, I want to be a positive influence. I'm trying to, I'll share with them what I'm learning about Christ and the gospel. And it's different with different age kids anything come to mind for y'all I outsource it (laughs) (laughs) just kidding what does that cost (laughs) it's interesting one of the things that we it's it's difficult to talk about yourself as an example you know like because you keep Mm -hmm. saying it I think we're doing this okay I think we're (laughs) But one of the things that we did a lot of when our kids were younger is, you know, we'd have a time of reading the Bible together after dinner. This is before everybody was at, you know, football practice. That had, you know, scattered. Suburban sports. The, yeah, suburban sports. <laughs> um, and in that time, we tried to do a few things. One is we wanted to share the, share scripture with the kid, you know, so okay, we're reading the Bible in our home, and then we're going to pray together. And we did all sorts of different types of things. And sometimes it was five minutes, and sometimes it was fifty minutes. You know, it just depended. But two, um, we wanted our kids to feel free to ask any question. Mm. That it wasn't so. So I, I want and give me give you an example. That Braden was very young. It, I think Annika wasn't even born yet. It was just the two boys at that time. And Braden, we were reading the story of Noah and the Ark, making our way through Genesis. And he said, so God killed all the babies that were on earth? And I, Carrie and I were like, oh, dang. <laughs> 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 That's a tough one. Next you question. Know, there's two ways to, you know, address that question. One is, well, we don't ask those kinds of questions. God is good all the time. Don't worry about it. You know, try to kind of, and, and I get that temptation, right? The other one is to say, that's, that's hard, isn't it? You know, and kind of let them feel comfortable asking any question, you know, and that it can be a safe place to dialogue. And I know that there's times where, you know, kids will ask things or say like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know if I believe that about God. I can remember that happening in, in your like, there's this terrifying moment as a parent, like, no, you believe in God in everything, you know? <laughs> I can tell you right now, that's not going to grow their faith. Yeah. yeah. 
in an environment where it's constant correction and constant here's the day here's the answer regurgitate what i'm telling you that sort of an environment is not going to create lifelong followers of jesus mm-hmm. and we're not perfect as parents and there's times when we probably said you know I, I can remember as the, as the kids got a little bit older, they would ask questions like, well, what do we believe? Mm. And I would say, well, <laughs> I, I believe this, and here's how I came to that conclusion. And sometimes mom believes things that are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And, she, you know, mom think this or whatever. What do you believe, Wyatt? Mm-hmm. And why would you come to that place mm-hmm. of belief, you know? And I'm, I'm not trying to skirt the responsibility of teaching the things of God to our children, but there's ways that we do it that can be um, prohibitive to them actually feeling like I'm engaging with this and I'm owning, owning this yeah. as my own. It's theirs. Yeah. And yeah. There's, there's a spectrum on that. And as they get older and, you know, there, we have to be okay with wrestling, doubting, mm-hmm. questioning, mm-hmm. Um, and how we handle that is is uh is is really important i mean that's a look at jesus with his disciples they had stupid questions <laughs> all the time <laughs> and christ had to correct and christ had to engage and christ had to you know if we're looking at discipleship in the same way and the other thing i would say is we need to give our kids um the skills to to feed themselves we can't constantly be the ones that are, as they grow older, where all their faith, you know, God has no grandchildren. So at, at some point, they stand on their, on their own, and we need to give them the tools to feed themselves and look to Scripture mm-hmm. and find places to, to be with other believers and grow. And, I mean, all those sorts of opportunities. That can be a little bit terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in that, I think we need to allow our kids to have moments of, of failure. I mean, we've prayed for all of our kids to have some kind of, we call it a crisis of faith moment, which is really scary to, to say, but times when our kids' faith is really tested yeah. it, while they're in our home, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So that they can realize they made a poor choice mm-hmm. or they, they didn't handle something well or they did something you know, great in the midst of a hard situation and, and, and help them sort of navigate those hard moments where they made bad decisions or something didn't go well and they had to repent and they had to learn. And, you know, so that's enough from me. I think there's an element of it too. It's just like, it's just like evangelism in a lot of ways. Obviously the dynamics are different, but, um, they need to see that you have something that they don't and that they want what what is different about mom and dad that what what is that Mm -hmm. and the fruits of the spirit and i'm going to read this list and think about for those listening and us right now how you parent the fruits of the spirit are love joy peace patience kindness generosity faithfulness gentleness self-control like for me a few of those words are very difficult yeah because I, I grew so, up. I feel so convicted right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to talk about me. <laughs> um, you know, I was a kid in the late 70s and early 80s. There was this, you will obey me because I command your respect. Yeah. Because I'm your father. Period. There's no more explanation. There's no more like, you will obey the rules of my house because I'm the dad. Mm. Your that's... dad said that too? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So you can imagine how, that's how I learned how to parent. So the, that, that came out of my mouth year two. You know, like I'm on an eight year journey of learning what it means to be more patient and more gentle and have more self-control so that I can... Uh, still, you know, <laughs> let Christ's light shine mm-hmm. while still disciplining my kids. It's not that, uh, oh, just let them do whatever. No, no, no. You still have to discipline, but what does it look like to discipline your kids and to correct them while still displaying the fruits mm-hmm. of the Spirit? It's mm-hmm. very, very difficult because my default is yell. Mm-hmm. My default is yell, anger, this is what it is, period, at the end of the statement. Mm-hmm. No back talk. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's my default. And it has been almost a decade of having to 
Kind of unlearn that. Yeah, unlearn it. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it comes out naturally, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I, for, you know, like, you know, we do all of those things. Like our kids, they recite their memory verses at night. We go to bed and they love doing that. And, you know, that, the, all of those things are good. Um, but what's front burner for me is how I, how I treat them. How well, I, that's a, it's a hundred percent of, I, we as parents sometimes think if we just say the right thing and we say it enough times, eventually it'll soak in <laughs> and they'll understand it and do it. And the truth is, is that just like we do with people, it's not always what they say, but how they live it out. How they, your point is how they're, how that child is being treated yes. by this person, but their parent, but it's also in all, like if we want to teach our kids honesty, when they're with us at the cash register and the person gives us too much change, yes. we don't pocket it. We say, oops, you made a mistake. Or if they forget to ring up the paper towel that's on the bottom of the cart at Costco, you go, oh, hey, you, you missed something. Mm-hmm. You like, model it. You model it. Mm-hmm. How we yeah. live our lives, how we interact with people, the things that we do, our actions are just as much if not more of a part of discipleship for sure in yeah. the passing on of the yeah. faith to our kids than than what it's we like, say it's caught not taught totally yeah totally i mean just just last night end of the day long day it's a sunday dad the kids make fun of me dad on a sunday you know yeah it's a sunday i'm tired it's 10 whatever i'm sitting in you know the, i got one son sitting in his bed we're getting ready to go to bed and i'm just i'm just looking at twitter like because I'm, I'm looking at the comments on the Chiefs game or whatever I was looking at, you know, and he's telling me a story. And he's been speaking up more. He's been talking more. He's been more relational over the last couple months. And, and I'm just sitting there, and, and Jennifer had just mentioned to me, like, a couple days ago, I love how much, you know, Sawyer's been talking more. He's just been talking more. He's just asked more questions and more relational. And, and so, like, I'm sitting there just, the and I know he's telling me this story. I'm not paying attention at all. <laughs> and, and, and then I stopped and I remembered what she was saying. Like, have you noticed he's been more like this? And I'm like, he's doing this right now with me. Yeah. He is sharing this story that's important to him. And I'm on Twitter right now doing nothing mm. of value. <laughs> and so I just stopped. And I'm like, I'm sorry, buddy. I was on my phone looking at something. It wasn't important. Tell me that story again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's those little moments where you can uh, choose to, to display the patience, the kindness Admitting, like to your point, someday he's going to be on his phone, and you're going to be wanting to tell him a story. <laughs> <laughs> telling you, bro, it's going to be right behind the It's <laughs> right around the bend, my right, friend. Right, right, right. Are you listening to me? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good. That's good. All right. Um, that's it. That's it. That's it. Hey, thanks that's for listening. It. That's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text Next Level Podcast 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for, for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the next level. Boom! Prophecy.